0: This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. God is doing something amazing, isn't he? I don't know about you, but do you like amazing stories? Do you like listening to amazing stories? Some of you that read the Daily Mail might listen to and read some amazing stories um, every day when you read some of the newspapers that like to highlight amazing happenings. And there's one kind of happening that happens in the human experience that I always find fascinating, and I always love to read stories about them when they happen. And those stories are the ones of huge feats of strength Or huge feats of heroism that are performed in the midst of adversity sometimes. You know the kind of things I'm talking about. Women whose children get run over by a car that somehow find the strength and the energy to pick up the car. Move it, and we're not talking about like trained Hungarian lef- wit- weightlifters here called Olga. No, no, no I'm not uh, making any, uh, any uh, connection there at all, I'm just picking a good Hungarian name. But we're not talking about weightlifters like that that are trained to lift weights. I'm talking about weedy little women that are passionate about the love that they have for their children and literally will, live, will lift a car that weighs more than a tonne. Have you read stories like that? Or people, men in particular, that are not big and strong and mighty, like Martin is around here. Martin's Martin's built like a barn door. Hasn't you ever seen him? Built like a barn door. Not people like that. If I'm in a fire in a house, I want someone like Martin to come and get me. I'm just saying. I'm just saying I want him to pick me up, chuck me on his shoulders, and get me downstairs as quickly as possible. But not men like Martin. Wimpy little men like... I'm not going to say anything, (laughs) not going to go there, wimpy little people that for some reason in order to get their family out will smash the door down, break it wide open in order to get their family out. It's amazing how much strength some people have when they find themselves in adverse circumstances. We know from science that our body's fight or flight system kicks in. Adrenaline is thrown into our system and it gives our muscle power and it gives our brain speed some stuff that we've never seen happen in our lives before. It's happened to me once on a squash court, I think it was, that I've had such things happening that I played an amazing shot straight into the corner. I'm thinking, that's amazing from a wimpy little man like me. Amazing what can be achieved. And so today, I want to talk to you about a particular kind of strength. I want to talk about a kind of strength we can train. Yesterday, Dan and I were privileged at Rock Nation's uh, at the conference being away. We just happened to bump into a guy that had been hoovering the floors serving at Rock Nation's. And he was was quite well built, wasn't he, Um, Dan? He was nothing like you, nothing like me. But he was quite solid, you know, he was quite a frame. And so he'd been hoovering there. And I said, the the muscles haven't come from hoovering, are they, as domesticated as you are? I said to him, he says, no, I'm a professional um, fitness trainer. And I said, all right, how did he get into that? And he went on to say, his name's John Keegan, and he's a professional boxer that has retired and is now dedicating his life to help people get into shape. And an amazing thing happened, because Dan and I are interested in sport, and we started pet-bringing with so many kinds of questions. Come out here for a second, uh, Dan, because you're going to help me with uh, this illustration. Where's the microphone, Mark, if I can grab that for a minute? Because Mark, um, so uh, Dan is going to tell you what happened when he went up against this guy, and basically what he was doing, by the, just the way he adjusted his body, he was telling um, dan. He says, you try and push me over. He says, so you're going to push me over. He says, so first I'm going to behave like a a normal street fighter would behave. And then the second one, I'm going to behave like like an amateur boxer that's learning the art. And the second thing I'm going to do, he says, I am going to uh, behave or act as I would when I was a professional boxer. What happened when you tried to push him around? Go on. Well, the first time, it was just like, well, we kind of act out a little bit, right? Just, so he put his arm up like this, and he goes, right, walk into me. And the first one, it was just like, the first one, he just went like that, and it was nothing at all. And then he changed the way he was standing, and the next one was like, oh, a little bit of a push, but he went back. And the last one, honestly, right, he changed his body position, and we were, <laughs> I was just like this. I was flat out, it was, you know, it was harder than this, like a push. No, no. but honestly, I was like, it was like pushing up against a brick wall, and you just stood there. And his arm was moving because, you know, I was trying to fit in, struggled to push him, but his frame was just solid. He was just there. Couldn't budge him at all, literally like a brick wall.
1: Amazing, wasn't yeah, it? Really?
0: Yeah. It was absolutely amazing. we were walking back to, in the corridor, and obviously, he picked Dan because Dan's a little bit uh, stronger than me, uh, in the way he was doing. And when Dan was walking back, I said, was that strong then? And Dan was like, he was still, his jaw, Dan's jaw was still like down there somewhere. He said, he said, I'm not kidding you, Phil. If I brought my other arm up to push him, he said, I would not have moved him. And this is what he said, Dan said. This is the word I want to use. He was so anchored. He was so anchored. I'm not kidding you. If I put my whole weight, whatever, if I used two hands, I would not have shifted him because of the strength that he had learnt. That he had learnt. I have been preaching for over 30 years now. I mean, I'm not saying I've stood here for 30 years and this sermon has been going on that that long. I'm just saying I've been preaching now for over 30 years. And one of the first messages I spoke uh, when I was 15 years old was on the subject of temptation. And I've never, ever visited the subject again. I don't know, not been led to do it or uh, not uh, spoken about it, but uh, as I've been preparing and, and spent some time on holiday, the Lord laid on my heart this message, and I leaned across to uh, Aileen at Rock Nations this week, and I said, I hope Dave Niblock doesn't preach the back end of this part of his message much more. I said, because he's nicking half my sermon uh, for Sunday. So some of it um, you will uh, feel a, a connection with. But all I want to say is, before we jump into God's Word, temptation... Is a very, very real thing, isn't it? Temptation is a very real thing. We all know what our weaknesses are, don't we? Don't we? We all know what our weaknesses are. You do? I mean, some of you, I'm just saying, you can't pass that cake stand. You can't. You know, I'm sure cake has got little voices sometimes that cry out to you, that say, eat me, eat me, I'm lonely, I'm sure, I'm sure it doesn't happen to me like that, I'm a savoury man. Pies tend to cry out to me, eat me. Food, or another one, procrastination, how many of you suffer with procrastination? Oh, put things off, I'll do it later, I'll do it after. Shopping. Don't suffer with that one at all, guys, unless I'm in the car showroom. That's where I like to go um, shopping myself. But the temptations that pry on our weaknesses. Some very real stuff that affects young people in the areas of pornography. You know, in my day, it was on the top shelf of a store. Now it's only one click away on a screen. The accessibility to these things is a lot lot easier, and the temptation to get involved in those areas is so much more difficult. Alcohol. Thoughts and negativity all of us we know what our weaknesses are, don't we? In fact it's amazing that sometimes we are more familiar with our weaknesses and how sometimes we fall and and let ourselves down and feel that we let people down and let God down, and quite often we're not aware of our strengths. But we are all aware of our weaknesses. And if we know our weaknesses, we can identify them easily. In fact, Paul speaks in Romans and he writes these words when he talks about his struggle. So if you and I struggled, and if you and I are struggling really hard, this is Paul the Apostle. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome. This is the one that was marvelously converted Marvelously anointed by God in apostolic ministry. Over 30% of the New Testament is written by him. It's that Paul. It's like Mother Teresa times 12 kind of good person Paul. And this person Paul writes in Romans 5 and he says this. I do not understand what I do. Can we have the scripture on screen so we can follow it, um, Lee? I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it's sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. How many of you feel like that sometimes? How many of you feel like that? Okay, it's just me. Just me. I have the desire to do what is good. But so often I feel I just can't carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do. But the evil I do not want to do this, I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it the word this morning that god has laid on my heart is both theological and practical because it's pointless having a concept or theology that we can't apply to our lives is it i mean why on earth would we want to do that come here talk about a concept and not be transformed And the word of God tells us that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. So if we allow God's word to penetrate our heart and our souls and our minds today, we will be changed. Do you believe that today? And I believe as we look at what God's word says about this subject, and we apply it to our lives and also learn some practical things from Jesus who was tempted like we were. If we look at that, I believe that today we can be equipped. My, the passage of scripture that I want to use this morning, or my core text that I want to use this morning uh, in our message that is going to be practical and theological is to be found in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. And it is this. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. So there ain't nothing new that you're facing that nobody else has faced before. It ain't just you. What is happening to you and what is happening to me has happened to thousands before us. That's what God's word is telling us here. What is common to mankind. And God is faithful. What is he? He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Isn't that cool? Turn to the person next to you and say, you can do it. (laughs) You can do this. You can do this. We are not going to be tempted beyond a point that we cannot bear. How good is that promise to stand on this morning? That if we live according to God's word, it can come. We can say, Emily, as you've already said today, devil, not today. You don't get up early enough. You don't think quick enough. We are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. I can bear it all. You bring it on. Because I have the strength that's in Jesus. And can I see some fingers going on in the congregation? What are we going to do, youth? We're going to say to the devil, not today. Not today. You are stronger than you think. You will not be, 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. You will not be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Any of you want a way out this morning? Any of you want the emergency exits that can be located there and there and there? Any of you want an exit this morning? Do you want an exit? Because this is what God's word is going to teach us today. We're going to have an exit to be able to fight against the temptations and against the devices and tactics of the enemy when he tries to tempt us. So... I try to think of some effective titles for this morning's message. What would it be? You know, Six Keys to Overcome Temptation. Or could it be I'd come up with a title of, uh, you know, laying down your kind of sin or something or kind of dealing with things. But the title I wanted to pick this morning, I even thought of, where's the exit? That might be a good title. But no, the title that I've got this morning is a title that I hope rings true in your hearts today, which is simply this. You are stronger than you think. God's adrenaline is going to be thumped into your veins today. And wimpy people that can't lift cars are from today in Christ going to be able to lift cars. Wimpy guys that can't push down doors to free their families from fire are by the power of God today going to be strengthened by the life-changing power of Christ and a transformed mind. Do you believe that? Can I ask you again? Do you believe that? Do you believe that you're stronger than you think? Fantastic. Let's turn to God's word and let's pray first before we do so, shall we? Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we quote this verse time and again. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. You bring direction. You bring clarity. You bring so many things into our lives to help us on our path and our journey. So, oh God, I pray today. That is in this area of how the enemy works in temptation. You will help us to understand how he works, his strategies and tactics. And understand what you have done to give us an exit. And to power up our lives so that we know how to stand against the enemy. We ask in Jesus name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You are stronger than you think. You are, really, you are stronger than you think. Can I ask all of you to stand for a minute? Come on, everyone, just stand up for a minute while I do a quick exercise with you. Can I ask all of you to raise your hands in the air if you can, if you can't, because of mobility issues. We, we under- can, you, can you stretch your hands up? And Can you stretch your hands up now as high as you can? Okay. Now you need to get to tiptoes if you want to stretch as high as you can. Okay, so go as high as you can and go on tiptoes, okay? So when I say, go, I want you to give me another inch. Go. Take a seat. Where did all of you get the other inch from? Where did all of you get the other inch? Because I told you to stay on tiptoes, didn't I? I asked you to stand up. But where did you suddenly find the extra inch? Motivation. Motivation. And God gives us the motivation, the power in our lives to overcome. We are what the Bible calls overcomers. He talks about it in a tense that already exists. He says the same thing about being a conqueror. He doesn't say you can be a conqueror in Christ. What does he say? What does he say? He says you are more than conquerors. You are stronger than you think. Mm. Except what we've got to do is, like Dan was talking us about in the illustration, what we've got to do is get into God's word today, and learn how the enemy works, pick up some tactics, so we know how to beat him at his own game. So before we talk about three core things, the theological part of the message this morning, I want to break some things down about temptation first of all. Some stuff that's badly preached and badly taught in churches that don't preach from the manual for life. That listen to some kind of weird psychology stuff sometimes. And listen to some weird teaching that comes out sometimes about how God works in our lives. So the first thing, and this is a huge, huge truth for us to understand, is temptation is a good thing. It is. Temptation is a good thing. Now what pastors and teachers and Bible scholars will tell you, will tell you it's a bad thing. It's a good thing. The reason I'm telling you it's a good thing is because James, who's the brother of Jesus, I think he's a pretty good reference point for us to use, he says it's a good thing. Look, let's go to God's word, the manual for life. James 1 verse 2. The brother of Jesus writes this down and says, when you are tempted, he says, you should consider it pure joy. Any of you happy this morning at the thought of being tempted? That you're not just joyful, but you consider it pure joy. That's like on the verge of elation, is it not? Pure joy. James 1 verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. So none of us have a get out here. We're all included. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So what happens sometimes is when we are tempted and stuff comes our way, what happens is we think we have sinned when the temptation comes. You don't sin unless you succumb to the temptation. Do we understand that? Do we understand that? And we go, All of this stuff sometimes about, you know, if you look at a woman in an adulterous way, what is it, the, uh, some theologians will tell you, well you might as well have committed Adultery. Okay listen I'm just going to say this and be really really practical. Okay? All of us can walk a street, guys. And we know a smart woman when we see see one, don't we? Don't we? We know a woman because God has made women to be something beautiful for us to be able to pick one to be our wife. Wife, isn't he? That's what God's designed. And just because you find your wife, he doesn't switch off that gene now that you say, oh, well, I don't need to look for another wife because I've, I've currently got one. If he switches that off in you, can you come and see me and maybe some of the leadership team and all the others that are being brutally honest after church this morning so you can help teach us? But I tell you, what is a sin? What is a sin is on that temptation if you go into HD view, guys. And you click on that virtual thumbnail about that girl and you start to address her with your eyes and start think things. Now that you are crossing a line, that's not acceptable. So when all of this stuff comes away in the form of temptation, we have got to practically process this and change our mind straight away on those things so that we don't fall into temptation So two things I'm going to be talking about. So first of all, underlying that principle that I've just shared with you. And I'm going to share James 1. Secondly, it's this fact. So first of all, we should welcome temptation. Temptation is a good thing. The second thing, God doesn't tempt us. God doesn't tempt us. What the Bible teaches is it's our own evil desires. James 1.13, again, Jesus' brother says this. When tempted... No one should say, God is tempting me. Did you hear that, church? No one is tempting me. Oh, I'm going through a trial. God clearly has a plan for me or whatever it is. We need to get rid of that from our theology. We need to get rid of it. God does not tempt you. In fact, we pray, don't we? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I'll talk about that when I'm closing, about what happens sometimes is that God allows, you'll study the life of Job, God allows things to happen to us sometimes. He doesn't step in because he knows that character, uh, uh, that perseverance builds character. Character, patience, and patience, hope. And that's what we have in our lives. James one thirteen When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. What doesn't God do? He does not tempt anyone. But but and this is the th- the process that takes place in temptation, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed what happened in Genesis 3, folks? Eh? They're in the wrong place. They shouldn't have been looking at the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They should have given it a wide, wide berth, wouldn't it? That place was going quick, to quickly turn toxic for them if they were going to hang around and put themselves in a place where they be te- be, would be tempted. And you know, John Bunyan talks about Gate in the Pilgrim's Progress, doesn't he? Eye gate is a place that uh, that the enemy works sometimes in order to tempt us. Which is why Jesus says it's better for you to gouge your eye out than for you to not find yourself in the kingdom of, of heaven. Verse 14. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, that thought has been entertained. And it's just gone one step too far. Should I fiddle that financial deal? Should I not be honest about what's happened here at the office? Should I really be going in the car with this person that, you know, she's really, really attractive, but I know she's not good for me? Should I? Should I? And we need to lock our lives down. And make good decisions in those areas so that desire does not conceive. Because if it does, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So see the pattern that's there where sin is birthed. Where something becomes a sin. It's not at a temptation level. It is at an yielding to temptation and giving in, because it's conceived, and now it becomes sin. I'm loving the sound of the baby, enjoying the sermon at the back of the the church, agreeing with me in baby amens right there. So the third thing, we can beat temptation, because you are stronger than you think. We can beat it. Beat it, in the word of the theologian Michael Jackson, beat it. We can not beat this thing, church. James 4 verse 7 says this. Again, the brother of Jesus says, Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will what? He will, he will what? Free. He will free. Tell the devil not today. And then the last thing, temptation, number four. Temptation can come at any time. 1 Peter 5 verse 8, again, huge, huge apostle uh, in the Bible who teaches us here and says, Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Turn me to Luke chapter 4, if you would. And we're just going to quickly look at the passage of someone being tempted. And there are lots of temptations that happen in the Bible that we can focus on. But the one I want to look at today, which is documented the best, and involves our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, is his own temptation that takes place in Luke chapter 4. And we're going to look theologically at the three areas that the enemy tries to attack us in our lives. Because we know the truth that is in John 10.10, which is this. The thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. But I, says Jesus, have come that you might have life and have it to the full. King James Version, I like that as well. I've got to say, Mark, I love thee more abundantly uh, as well. Acts 17.28. And we're going to turn to in a moment of of our core scripture. But before we do that, turn to me to... Luke chapter 4. Follow me on screen if you've not got your um, Bible with you. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert. Lead us not into temptation, is what we pray. Interesting, isn't it? Holy Spirit led him to the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. How much did he eat? We'll be looking at after. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. Any of you hungry? I'm starving right now. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live by bread alone. The devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant. How quickly was it? in an instant all the kingdoms of the world can you imagine what that would have looked like in a video all the kingdoms of the world and he said to him i will give you all their authority and splendor for it has been given to me and i can give it to anyone i want to so if you worship me it will all be yours you know the devil's a big liar isn't he (laughs) he turns to the king of kings and lords of lords and tells him you can have what's already yours isn't he such a liar Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Number nine, then the devil led to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He said, if you are the son of God, interesting, doubt, isn't it? If you are the son of God again, he says, throw yourself from here for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he tried, didn't he? Tried to push him over. He had tried. He submitted to God. Jesus resisted the devil. And what happens? He flees. But look at this. What does it say? When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Our lives is one of a constant battle of when we are tempted we will be tempted again. We just need to see off the threat at that time because he's going to come back and have another go and another go and another go because that's what he's trying to do is seek, kill and destroy. Do we get it? Quite simple. Okay, so I'm not going to jump to standard text that all of us now hear now about quoting God's word because we know he says it is written, it is written, it is written. And sometimes what we need to do as Christians is not so much quote God's word to the devil, is live God's word for the devil. We quote it instead of living it. And that's some of why some of us sometimes are so, so weak in this area. Is because it's not that we just don't have an understanding of God's word. We, we become consumed so much with the doing that we forget the being. God wants us to just be in this place all the time in the way that we live our lives. And what will he try to do then? So I'm going to look at these three temptations and talk about three areas. So the first area that God will seek to penetrate your life is in the area of your destiny. It's a great word, isn't it? Destiny. Your destiny is in Christ. Destiny. Say destiny. It's a far better word than wheelbarrow, isn't it? Say wheelbarrow. Wheelbarrow. Destiny. Great, great word. Destiny. Your destiny is in Jesus Christ. But before he can walk, work on your destiny and to ruin it there, temptation number 1, what he tries to do is penetrate you at an identity level. What he tries to do is to stop your destiny being fulfilled by having your identity corrupted in the first place. Our identity is in our identity is in Christ, isn't it? What does Acts 17.20 says? It says, 17.28, it says, In Him we live, we move, and have our being. It's in Him we live, move, and have our being. Your identity is not your job. Being a plumber is what you do. Being a plumber is not what you are. Your identity is not where you come from. When two Welshmen meet all over the world, no matter where they are, they discover one another, and they ask themselves always, the first question a Welshman asks another Welshman, if you can be somewhere from Bangkok to Brynhamen to Bangalore, wherever you find yourself in, Welshman will meet another Welshman and will say, Well, Bachan, Shumai, Plei ti order will ask, Where are you from? Isn't it? That's what every Welshman wants to ask another Welshman when they meet someone another, so we can put them in a box and... Put them and give them a particular identity. Whether they are south or whether they are north. Whether they are gog. Isn't it? Whether they're a gog. And we know if they're a gog. Because they speak like that, don't they? If they're from a gog. And we know where they are without asking them half the time. Where they are from. Your identity is not wrapped in where you're from. God's not concerned where you've come from. He's only concerned where you're going. Come on church. Get excited about this. Your identity is not wrapped up in your job. Your identity is not wrapped up where you come from. Your identity is not wrapped up in the color of your skin. Who cares the color of your skin? I don't care. You don't care. None of us care. What does it matter? We all have red blood in us. We've all been shaped and created in the image of Christ. Everyone is precious and part of God's creation. We don't do that. Black, white and all that stuff, do we? Because we recognize that everyone has been created in the image of Christ. Identity is not what school you went to. Not about the qualifications that you got. Not your social background. Identity can get wrapped up in all kinds of carnal things. But we are not children that are earthly anymore. We are in the world but we are not of the world. We are children of the king. We'll say this one as well. We'll say this people that might be listening online. Your identity is not even wrapped up in your gender. I'm this, I'm that. I don't identify with this particular gender, so I want to change it. And my heart goes out to people that are struggling with all those kinds of issues. I want to say to you one thing, if you're listening online or if you're here in this church, forget about having your identity wrapped up in your sexuality or in your job. Or in the color of your skin. You are a child of the king if you come to him. You will be adopted into his family. We are princes. I have an inheritance. There's a place prepared to me. A mansion in glory. Because I am the child of a king. I'm no longer a five foot whatever Welsh boy from the farming town or whatever. I'm a child of a king. And what God, what the enemy does is undermine your identity. And have you to think about those areas in your life first. And that's what he tried to do in temptation number one. He comes to him and he says to Jesus, he said, if you are the son of God, he questions it. And we sometimes question ourselves. If I'm a Christian, I shouldn't be behaving this way. If this, if that. And we get into all kinds of areas of guilt and everything. Because instead of just focusing on following Jesus. And understanding that we're a child of a king. And saying that I might have fallen yesterday. But I'm not going to fall today. And I'm going to get stronger and you're not going to beat me. Instead of doing that whole guilt cycle, we know that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he breaks the power of canceled sin and he sets the prisoner free. Prisoner free. And if the enemy is going to come to us today and whisper in our ear about our sins and our past, we'll say to him, not today. And we'll remind him about his future. And we'll remind him about what happened on the cross 2,000 years ago. And he's got no right to whisper those things in my ear anymore. Because I'm a child of the king. I'm stronger than he thinks. You are stronger than you think. And if he can't beat you on working on the area of identity. What he will then do is to undermine your destiny. He will try to give you all of what is really in your heart and life earlier than you wanted. Do you know, I strongly believe that if you're a person that has a problem with money, that I believe, you know what I mean? The enemy is in a position sometimes through all kinds of journeys and everything that we might be on through the work that he tempts you to be able to do that, that he will give you your heart's desire. And we will self-destruct ourselves because of the wrong choices that we make in life. Because we have all the vision that we have. You know, if you want a wife, some of this was spoken about uh, at Rock Nations. You know, seek first, Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. You're looking for a wife, just serve God, go forward. And one day you'll discover on that journey as you're serving God, you'll find someone else who's serving God too. And her heart will be the same as yours. And you will fall in love. And you will serve God together. And you will be perfectly yoked and go in the same direction. But what he does, in undermining your identity, he will undermine your destiny. And then the last thing he will do, he'll undermine your loyalty. Your loyalty is to Christ. My loyalty is to Christ, isn't it? He will look to undermine that. I've seen the comic book stuff with... You know, the little devil speaking on here and the little angel speaking on there. Have you connected with any of those illustrations sometimes that happen in life? You know, come on, it happens in the cake shop, doesn't it? <laughs> Shall I, shan't I? The little devil goes, oh, go on. But we all know a moment on the lips, mm. a lifetime on the hips. And we go, oh, go on. And this angel is trying to speak to you and say, no, no, you know you want to be a size 10. Or in the case of the guys, you know when you want to be like, get down to at least like 38 inch waist. That'll be a start. And these voices that are on us, isn't it? Undermining our loyalty. Undermining the voice that we listen to. And what happens, our motivation falls. And because we are not equipped, we fall into these places. So the theology around this, look at these, read the scripture when you get home. Be careful who your identity is. Wrapped there first. And then your destiny is a building block that goes into that so that we know where we're headed. And then lastly, the loyalty that is ours to obey the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And finally, the practical things. Five, uh, sorry, four practical steps in closing that come with temptation. Jesus went to the wilderness, led by the Holy Spirit to be tempted of the devil. And there's four things that happen to Jesus when he's there that, believe it or not, help bring temptation on. First thing he does is he's alone. Sometimes, I'm just going to say it, guys, girls, for some of us, we know that when we are alone, that's when temptation comes. The devil makes work for idle hands. Isn't it a little proverb that we learned when we were kids? And sometimes we need to make the decision that we don't put ourselves in positions that we are alone. That we make time to you know, be somewhere in public or, or, or do something so that we're not alone so that those thoughts don't come. Another one, and I'm just going to say this because it's incredibly practical. Jesus ate nothing. Hunger will lower your ability to be able to cope with temptation. I know it because I saw some hungry young people when we were away up at Rock Nations. Because what happened? They get up early in the morning, struggling to come to the services. They are tired and they haven't eaten. And so suddenly some of them become a little bit edgy and a little bit ratty and everything. Or this term that's just an amalgamation of hungry and angry. You've heard it before. They become hungry because they're not eating. And Jesus fasted. And what happens if we do not have a good diet in our lives? Temptation can come our way too if we're not eating. Thirdly, tired. If we are tired, temptation is more likely to come our way. Oh, I can't be bothered. Can't. It's just easy to say yes. If we are tired. And Jesus, by being hungry and by being alone, he clearly got tired and that heightened the chances and possibility of temptation coming into his world and lastly and this is a big one i'm bored boredom if you've got nothing to do i'll tell you what see temptation start to come your way then so make a note of those things about being alone about when we are hungry about when we are tired and about when we get bored let's equip our lives to succeed shall we because i want to tell you you are stronger than you think tell the devil no not today tell him that your identity is to be found in jesus christ remind him that your destiny is wrapped up in jesus christ and let's be loyal to him shall we let's be the faithful servant that when we meet jesus we'll hear those fantastic words that all of us want to hear well done you good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. God bless you. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269